Hello and welcome to a new episode of Behind the Scenes of Happiness, Motivation for Motivators. I'm your host, Christoph Spiesens. And in today's Candid episode, I talk with resilience and talent coach Anthony Taylor. Has resilience become a buzzword or can we learn to use it as a competitive advantage? We also discuss the power of small incremental changes in our lifestyle to create better holistic well-being, how to be kinder to ourselves, keeping the fun in our work as motivators, and how to build an authentic reputation as leaders in our field without giving in to temptations to follow trends that aren't congruent with our message, values, and skill set. Enjoy. So happy to be talking with Anthony Taylor today. He is a resilience and talent coach, speaker, writer, and trainer. And he is all about empowering people, performance for both individuals and teams through the development of mental toughness, teamwork, and influencing. Anthony, good morning. A very warm welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Christoph. Thank you for, for the invitation. It's a pleasure to be here. Anthony, you are in the middle of writing not one, but two books. Uh, <laughs> one, I believe, is called Tips from the Top, and the other one is a book on resilience. Can you share a little bit more about those books and what inspired you to embark on that journey? Because writing books is not an easy feat. It's not. No, I did. Uh, I did one about the turn of uh, about the year 2000, just before actually I was living abroad right. and was asked by Macmillan to write a guidebook to the island where I was living. So did that and that took a lot, took longer than I was anticipating, but really enjoyed the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the two current books are um, what, one's due out in spring, one's due out in fall. The one in spring is the tips from the top book where I'm interviewing 30 business leaders, people have made it to the tops of organizations like Sainsbury's Argos and Costcutter, uh, Starbucks and so on, about their experiences of navigating through middle management, the kind of key qualities, mistakes they made, the challenges they faced, how they got past them and their thoughts on how people um, can do that you know, themselves going forward. What sort of got me inspired about that was a lot of my own experiences of uh, being in middle management, rising to the head of the department various organizations, mm-hmm. never quite making it to the top in terms of being a director, a board level director, but just aware of, of the challenges of the politics and other things that, that came with that career in the corporate world. Um, I'm always fascinated by learning from other people. So it just seemed that uh, mm-hmm. uh, I do a lot of work with teams now, um, facing some of these issues and challenges. And uh, it just came to me one, one evening, I was actually listening to another professional speaker and the thought occurred to me and it wouldn't go away after about two or three weeks. I thought, well, if it's not going away, then i do something about it. That's the hint. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's the hint. And got some great traction. So early on, I put some feelers out with some people I know from my career and a network and uh, got a really positive vibe and responses back to it. And, and it's, it's gone from there. And it's going to be a very useful book, I, I would imagine, because middle management is... I don't know if this is the right word to use, but I'm going anyway. It's an, 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 an ungrateful position to be in for many people, isn't it? It's not an easy position because you literally get it in the neck from all, all directions and you have to drive the change. You have to deliver the results. You're literally in between so many teams yeah. and influencers. It's not, I, I would imagine reading that book is going to 
be a great resource for middle managers. I hope so. And I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head, Christoph. You know, that's my reflection from my time in, in that 20 year period was exactly as you said it's really tough i wrote an article not longer ago saying that middle management is actually the toughest job in business mm-hmm. you know senior management can be very lonely um, and they have their coaches and that brings with its own stresses and pressures but middle management for all of the things you've said about is uh, i think is incredibly difficult mm-hmm. being asked to do more with less you're getting often you know messages from the top down you're getting uh, feedback from the bottom up you've got to be that buffer in the middle yeah uh, it can be incredibly challenging, stressful, and indeed itself lonely. And it I want it to be uh, more than just the great, that was fascinating, put it down book. At the end of each chapter, which is the interview with each person, there will be a couple of questions. So it will say, you know, what did you get from the, you know, what two things can you take away from what so-and-so has said? And what's one thing you're going to do differently as a result of it? So I'd like it to be a little bit, a bit like having a, um, a mastermind group in someone's pocket yes. they can refer back to and put into practice some of the things that they pick up. So it sounds like it's going to be a very practical guide. Yeah, absolutely. I think there are so many great books out there on leadership and theories and lots of things. And I, you know, there's a fascinating, and I read them myself, but I'm very much, I see it as a bit of, my role is a bit of a conduit to my, between the practical, the academia and the theoretical. In, into into the practical with people. Um, I want people, the same with the resilience book that's coming towards later on in the year. It's about yeah. offering practical things. And that's a book about a framework, what I consider to be a simple framework. If you follow this, uh, you will become, you can build up more resilience. You know, there's so much stuff out there on resilience that one can feel a bit sort of swamped. But what I'm hoping with the book there is that as a, as a book that people can read in 60 minutes, and the exercises will take a little bit longer, but it's a simple framework that people can use to build their resilience. And if they want to explore it more, then they can go and do their own research and add bolts on it. But mm. that will give that kind of chassis, that framework to do that. Resilience, a very important concept, a very useful, I was going to say tool, but I don't want to use the word tool. But it's one of these words, Anthony, that's like mindfulness, for example, it can mm. be a buzzword and therefore a fad. What is your interpretation of the word resilience and how do, do we avoid it becoming another buzzword and actually something that's real, something that can be achieved, something that's helping people move forward in life instead? I think you're absolutely right. I think it has been a bit of a buzzword over the, over the last few years. You know, there's lots of people out there talking about it, running workshops and so on. For me, resilience is, a lot of people talk about that kind of bounce back ability. I prefer to ground mine in a little bit more sort of research. And what I mean by that is if we look at the term mental toughness, mm-hmm. and again, that's, you know, that's been around for a long time. I subscribe to the four C's model of mental toughness created by Peter Clough. Uh, and that includes uh, control, commitment, challenge, and confidence. And resilience is a function of that in terms of it's the first two bits. It's that control and commitment. Can you manage your emotions in, in, the, in the moment or whatever what's in the face of challenges and things? Right. And are, how, how much in control do you feel of your life in terms of the control you feel have over it? Are you a passenger or actually you are the, the director in that? And then your commitment, you know, can you see things through? Do you need to get knocked off course when challenges come your way or, or are you able to stay the course? So that's where I kind of think about resilience and, and 
okay. work around that. Um, and in terms of in terms of it being a buzzword, a bit of a fad for me. I think people need to, I'd like to change the narrative on it, away from being a kind of sticking plaster, something that we do when challenging times have hit, and see it more as a competitive advantage, something that we should actually start doing right from, you know, we all have a certain level of resilience, but that can flex depending on what's going on in our emotional states, in life, uh, the number of things we've got going into that kind of bucket. So I think the more we see it as a, a really important facet to work on all the time, mm-hmm. then it becomes that kind of competitive advantage. And that way we can keep it real, I suppose, and, and true and organic because some people, and I noticed from the conversations that I have with, with business leaders and, mm-hmm. you know, can you come in and train some resilience, Chris? And I'm like, for me, resilience is... It's more a result than, you know, I can't come in, in, into the office and put tapes in people's heads. It's going to take some work. It's, it's a co-creative process. What do you think is important for workshop participants to, in terms of attitude towards a resilience course to, to display? How, do they, how should they show up? What kind of mindset should they bring? I love what you said there about, you know, it's a co-creative course. It does take work. I think uh, that's the same with every workshop we go on, regardless of the topic. Mm-hmm. I think we seem to be in a society where people are looking for a quick fix. A yes. Simple, yes. Uh-huh. And, and nothing, that's not the way that life works. It's not the way that humans work and develop, you know. Uh, and so in terms of a show up for resilience, I think you're absolutely right in terms of, it's not. It's very difficult to train that in a day. You can give people the tools and techniques, but if they don't go away and apply it, mm. then it's not going to work. You know, um, people need it's like a diet. You've got to put the work in. It's going to be difficult. There'll be days when you go and eat a bit too much ice cream, but mm-hmm. it's about looking at the longer term and and putting the things, the tools and things that you can share in the workshops into practice. And I also think you're right. It's an endpoint. It's it's a, you know it's a way of being resilient as opposed to being a, a almost an endpoint. But for showing up, I love the fact if people come with an open mind, if they are willing to to start off small and put incremental changes in place and build them up, as opposed to going on a crash diet of resilience and, <laughs> and doing lots of things. And I also think you, know, you said you know resilience. A lot of it is around that human connection. Mm. Um, you know, we can really build our resilience by improving our, our networks, our social interactions, um, the way we interact with, with other people, the way we uh-huh. think about, uh, uh-huh. and reflect on ourselves. So, yeah, it's, um, it's a, I love it. And you know, when you start to see the difference you can make with people over time, then that's, that's brilliant. I think we're all underdogs in life. Um, and I just love the, you know, we all love the underdog story. <laughs> if I can help share some tools and techniques and way of thinking with people that, that um, helps them with their, with their battle in life as being the underdog with everything we've got going on, then mm-hmm. that's kind of why I do what I do. Brilliant. Many of our listeners are people who work in the wellness industry, in the wellness sector, coaches, trainers, speakers, motivators. However, we can sometimes benefit from a resilience boost or a top-up on our resilience levels because for mm. all the right reasons, sometimes we get we, we focus so much on having to grow the business or on, or on all sorts of things. What is your biggest recommendation in terms of staying resilient 
as a motivator because when we go on stage, we share a great deal of energy with people in our everyday work. Again, mm -hmm. we help other people, but we have to ensure that we keep ourselves going as well, right? So Absolutely. what are your thoughts on resilience for the motivators, please? It's interesting. I, I think I find myself just coming up to Christmas in uh, last year in a place where I was exhausted, I was tired, I hadn't done some of the things that I know I should be doing that we, we talk about mm -hmm. in terms of I had been burning the candle at both ends. I have some challenges with a, with a home life with some, with, uh, with some children in terms of things that are going on for them around their mental health, growing the business. Um, and I, as a result, I let my diet go. So I ended up going into, into Christmas period pretty exhausted. Um, so in terms of coming back to your answer, I think it's the small thing. So what I did, I completely shut down over Christmas. I turned the computer off, I put the active office on. I didn't look at it. I didn't look at it, I didn't think about it. I concentrated on going out for walks every day. I became a lot more present with, the, with my partner and with our children mm -hmm. and family. And I made that entire 10 days entirely about them. Uh, I, little things like I upped my water consumption drastically to you know, a good two liters, two and a half liters, cut down on my coffees, which I have been living on the coffee. <laughs> uh, and slowly over a few days started to feel like I got my energy back. Right. Um, so it's not the, you know, it's not the sexy things. It's not the one thing. It was the incremental changes uh, in the small things that most of us kind of should know we, we, you know, we should be doing that made the big difference. Okay. So it's all so it's self care, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's self care. Self -care. Really, mm -hmm. that finding time to do the basics. You know, there's uh, a lot of people are looking. What's the one percent that's going to give me the edge? Mm -hmm. And when I get asked that in the workshops, I say, I tell you what, come back and ask me that question when you've got the 99%, 100%. You know, you're doing the 99% so well, you can't fail. Then come back and look for that 1%. Excellent. And I think a lot of people have sort of got hooked on the, the sporting analogy, the what did British Sky do to get, what's that 1% extra? And we get focused on, on that and not doing the basics well. So for me, for resilience, personal resilience, when we do the basics well, when we're present with our families, when we turn off social media, when we go out and get some fresh air and exercise, when we eat better uh, and, and become more hydrated, then actually we have a higher level of natural resilience. Mm -hmm. Sounds like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth here, Anthony, but it sounds like a holistic approach to self-care. You don't focus on just one thing. It's a collection of you know, habits and things that you do to improve your your well-being am i right in, in saying that yeah definitely what's interesting is i think it's taken me about 45 years to figure that out um i'm a by nature i'm a bit of a all or nothing kind of character i'm usually 100 miles an hour or nothing at all i'm getting better as i get older um and i think i always looking with the quick fix the next step up to success the whatever it was mm. um and in some of life's challenges that i've had over the years um absolutely slowly taught me that actually that's not the way to do it so that holistic approach is uh you know is by far and away the, the most sustainable one that is a long time to figure that out uh-huh but maybe because for people like us it's we we are so passionate about what we do that mm. slowing down in order to speed up as they say 
it sounds absolutely scary at first. It's like, oh, hell no, no, no. It has to happen and it has to happen yesterday. But that's when we, and there's nothing wrong with having that drive and motivation, but it doesn't serve us when actually we trip over ourselves. Yeah. And that's not very inspirational either, is it? So it's about showing to people, I, I think, for me, it's about showing to people that you can achieve a great deal in life but you can also pace yourself in the process and stay in good mental, physical, and spiritual even shape. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, you just hit the nail on the head there. I think it is about that. It's about pacing yourself. You know, there's so many cliches around that life's a marathon, not a sprint, mm. all those kind of things. But um, it's the thing that's sort of come home to roost for me over the last few years is that it, it's about finding that balance and. Mm-hmm. And when we've got that, I know I'm in a better place for me personally. I do better at work. Uh, I get better feedback from people. Mm-hmm. I get better feedback from my home life. And I feel in a lot more balance when I've got that. And that allows me to, to, uh, to perform better in all those areas. But it does. It's just having that balance. Well, I think, I think it reflects in the quality of your work. And people pick up on that. It's an unspoken energy. It's a feeling. People feel whether you are in a, in a good place or not when you're mm-hmm. teaching and so that additional value that you bring to that situation is so helpful for people because that's the true definition of walking the talk. Whereas, and that's very inspirational because many people preach, 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 but actually are falling apart behind the scenes. And with the greatest respect, that is not very helpful. No, so the, 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 the former is so much more inspirational. Um, it is funny. I was just going into Christmas. I've been doing some co-delivery of uh, some mental health workshops with a, a friend of mine and a colleague, and uh, so we've done a lot leading up to, to December. And he picked up on me. Said, "And last week, he said, look, you're just tired. You need this break. You know, mm-hmm. need to go do this and do that.' And I, you know, I know I talk about this and I treat this stuff, but I'm, I'm a human being. I'm not perfect. It's a it's a challenge for me all the time, like it is with most people. But we did a workshop together in the first week back in January. Mm-hmm. And after one hour, well, one hour and a half, so when I had the first break, you just said, you're back. <laughs> what a difference between the last one, and, you know, before we finished for Christmas and this one. He said, great to see you back. The difference, your energy levels, the stories you're sharing. Did you know, did, did you know, Anthony, that you were tired or did it take a partner to point that out? No, I knew I was tired. I knew I wasn't, uh, you know, I knew I, I wasn't giving my best to the courses I was doing, to my family. To, I, knew I, I knew I got things out of balance. And so, yeah, I'm very self-aware that I was not, uh, not doing what I should be doing and therefore not performing anything like I should, I should be. Because deep down, we, we do know, right? And it's, it's almost the invitation is to own that fatigue or that situation and to be okay with that uh, without feeling guilty perhaps or whatever emotion that that may come with it because i'm sure that many listeners are thinking "Mm, sometimes i go out there and i perform and i do a good job but actually i should be more focused on taking a break or slowing down a little bit yeah and and it's funny because that was my first post of the year on linkedin was accepting that you know people are trying to achieve goals whatever they are whether it's weight loss or Mm. uh, you know whatever my business goal particularly it's it's being it's accepting that it's okay to be where you're at, mm-hmm. because often we sh- we what we you know we what I call we should ourselves you know I should be like this or I should, <laughs> yeah. I should, I should have done better, mm-hmm. um, but and that just it, that brings up so many other negative emotions around 
self-judgment and fear. Uh, and actually those are, those create this internal friction that stops us from being our best. So my first post of the year was very much about, you know what, it's okay to be where you're at uh -huh. and, and to be a bit kinder to ourselves. If we can't be kind to ourselves, how can we be kind to other people? And how can we then make the change we need to be to, to, to do our best work if, we're not, if we can't be kind to ourselves? So it begins with that self-acceptance. Apart from our commitment to delivering great work to our clients and the people we work with, what might be a blocker? What stands in the way between us being tired and, or, or whatever the situation might be and recognizing and then accepting that situation? Can you put your finger on it? What, is it pride? Is it, is it, what, might, what could it mean to you? The reason I'm asking, for example, mm. if you don't mind me um, sharing this, is I, and I, I'm still working on this, I sometimes feel guilty when I'm not productive because I see my talent, my gift, as something that I was given to help other people with. So therefore, you know, do it 24-7. And so yes. when I'm not being productive, there is a potential for, for a little guilt to kick in. So d does that make sense? Absolutely, I think it makes sense. Yeah, and I think it's um, it's an interesting one that you said in terms of. I wonder what your definition of productive is there, Christoph. When what do you when you say that? What are the times when you feel you're not being productive? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'm thinking in terms of content creation, recording stuff, doing another podcast, writing another article, recording meditations, help you know scheduling mm. more one-on-one -on -one sessions until and obviously that balance tipped not, well not obviously but fortunately that balance tipped i would say a year yeah. or two ago where i realized that being productive can also mean going for a walk and slowing down is very much the right productive thing for me to do because if my cup is empty then there's no way i can help other people so that's how i reframed it for myself yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there again. It's about that we, we seem to be living in a world where, you know, because of technology, the pace has got so much faster. Everything's so much faster. We're constantly switched on. Yeah. We are draining our reserves all the time, 24-7. And we don't, you know, I'm as productive. What I've realized now over time is I, when the time when I have sat on my settee sometimes with my head laid back staring at the ceiling, brain in freewheel, can be as productive as when I'm actually batting out some content or delivering a course or whatever it may be. Totally. Because I need that time to reflect, to make connections between things, to think about how I can improve, to think about how I can help others. So it's product it's productive. It's you know, when I want to procrastinate, there are lots of other ways I procrastinate. So I know the difference between being pro procrastinating oh. and being productive by doing nothing. Um, and I think that's the thing that we've forgotten in modern day society is that actually, you know, the great thinkers, the great leaders in our, in our time spend a lot of time reflecting and doing nothing in terms of output, but making those mental connections. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important. So it's all about lightening up a little bit and have fun. And that leads me to the having fun part. Mm. leads me to one of your values I saw on your website, Anthony. Can you explain a little bit more what you mean by having fun in your work and in life? Yeah, I think it's just, it's just the enjoyment from it. You know, I think for many years when I was in the corporate world, um, I thought I was really enjoying the job. It was interesting enough, but I wasn't really having fun. 
Um, I think people are at their best and they learn best and they're open to new ideas when there isn't that sense of um, I've got to do this, I've got to do the other. When people can have fun, can relax a little bit, can be in the moment. So what I want my, you know, how I want to, to work with my, with my clients, with my colleagues, with my corporate clients and so on is to, to say, look, we've got a job to do, but we can have fun doing it. Yes. Uh, and when you do that, you're much more likely to retain information and retain the principles and, and just enjoy the whole process. Yes. So that's what I like to talk about. Excellent. And that's why I wanted to bring it into the conversation because very often people think that personal development and performance improvement, it has to be this, you know, gladiator fight in the arena, right? And it's tough and it's difficult and it's bloody and it's all of that kind of stuff. But you can have bloody good fun in the process as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think that's it. Most people, a lot of psychologists talk about that state of flow. Um, and it's very difficult to be in that state of flow if you're in the kind of mindset of everything's a battle and a challenge. Um, and what we're doing with our work is trying to bring some perspective back for people, trying to show them a way that they can you know, improve their performance, improve their lives, have that resilience to all these challenges that we're all facing mm-hmm. and do it with a smile on our face. Because I don't know anyone that doesn't perform better or enjoy things better when they've got a smile on their face. Absolutely. The other value that I would like to talk about with you is build a reputation. What would you suggest? What are your top tips or and insights and recommendations to our listeners in terms of, or when it comes to building a reputation as a motivator in their field of expertise? What do you feel is important when it comes to building a reputation? What should they focus on, not focus on what's helpful, what's not helpful based on your own experience? I think for me, that was, comes down to uh, several things. One begins with owning a particular niche, knowing what you want, well, knowing the difference that you want to make for people in your particular area of expertise uh, and owning that. And when, you know, it seems so counterproductive and I must have been told this and read this dozens of times when I started out, when I changed the career from what it was doing to what I'm doing now. People say, well, own a niche, find a niche, whatever, whether that's a particular thing, whether it's a particular market segment, but own that niche and be known for that. Okay. Um, and so that's that's very much starts with that. I think that's one of the things that I've talked about um, with other various people I've, I've shared my experiences with is around being known, being clear about what you want to be known for, mm-hmm. building that reputation, and then constantly thinking about how can I get better at what I do. You know, for me, this isn't a journey. I'm far from being the complete article. I'm constantly studying around the topic and, and research, and uh, I spend an awful lot of my my salary. Um, and the business reinvesting it back into my learning to the point where you know I could go on a couple of really nice summer holidays extra a year um, if I didn't spend the money I spend on my own development. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to do that to get better. I'm thinking about just how, what, how much value I can add to clients. What can I do differently that gives them that good experience that creates that value for them? Mm-hmm. And then from that will come a um, build a reputation. So. For me, that's very much about focusing on me and what I can do to get better and then how I can impart that to my, uh, to my clients. Have there been times where you had a vision, you knew your niche, you, you knew what you wanted to work on and deliver and bring to the world, and there was temptation to veer off course because there was 
Uh, I'm just going to put this very bluntly. Maybe there was more money in it or more opportunity or blah, blah, blah. But you felt like, uh-uh, no, don't go there. Stay the course. Have you been in situations where you were tempted to reconsider? Absolutely. You know, and as near as more recently as we say leading up to this Christmas, I think if you're of a mindset, it sounds like you and I are it's very similar. Lots of people hopefully listening to this podcast are that, you know, we're so fascinated by, by human behavior, by making a difference to people. Mm-hmm. And we've got lots of experience. It will be very easy to say, well, I can do this and I can do that. And, oh, that's really interesting. I've not seen that before. And well, I can make a difference to that person if I go and learn all about that. And so it can be very easy to, to get caught up in that, the excitement of our own learning, of our own development, and then how we can share that with others because we're very much of a, a mindset with people uh, that want to share what we know and make that difference to other people. Um, so even right up to you know, Christmas, there are other opportunities that have come my way. And I thought, well, that would be quite exciting to do. <laughs> um, but I know, it's, it's funny, I never forget, I was, when I lived in the Caribbean, I was about to get married and I was sat on the beach one day and a, 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 an older guy that I'd known, a good friend of mine, was walking along, we were talking. And he said, Anthony, the thing about marriage is you will meet somebody else that grabs your attention that you think, hey, you're really, you know, you're good looking or you'd be fun to spend some time with and, or, you know, you're quite exciting. And he said, and that's okay. He said, but it's what you do with that that matters. So do do you stray or do you stay the course with your partner? And said, that's, you know, don't beat yourself up for having those feelings, mm-hmm. what you choose to do with that. And it, and it, it's, that kind of occurred to me over Christmas when I was thinking, you know, some of the opportunities are coming come to me and I think, well, I could go off and do that. And I actually said, no, I need to refocus on this. This is what I'm passionate about. This is where I think I can really make a difference. So own this space, be the best you can be in this area. And, and I think the rest will take care of itself. I don't know if you've had, if you've had similar battles as well with being well, with the, the, more of other things. For, first of all, I want to say that I think what makes you such an, uh, a powerful leader um, in this field, Anthony, is the analogy that you've just very kindly and honestly shared from your personal life, um, the wedding analogy, is uh, it's such a powerful piece of storytelling that makes, it, it cements the message that you're trying to deliver. And it's, so it's very helpful for people. Yes, the temptations might be there, but you don't have to act on those. You, you know, honor the feelings, but ride that way for a moment and then be, be done with it almost, right? Yeah. So I think that's very, very important uh, and very beautiful. To answer your question, well, we, for me, the temptation is often on my radar through social media. You, we live, like you mentioned earlier, in, in an Insta world. New trends, new buzzwords, new fads are, you know, we are inundated by them every single day. And every, every morning you wake up, there seems to be a new mm-hmm the next big thing has arrived. And then it's like, oh, should I explore that? Can I, can I somehow link my work to that? And then I'm like, well, actually, wait a minute. In some shape or form, you have been talking about this for, for 10 years already. <laughs> it's just being, being rebranded or whatever to make it fresh again. So don't, don't, fall, for, don't fall for it. So yes, it, it does happen. And, and I think what's important there is to revisit our and i know this is something that you are a a firm believer in as well Mm. our why you know why why am i doing what i'm doing and the why dictates the path and how you engage with your inspiration and then turn that into workshops and speeches and whatever absolutely that sense of purpose 
um, is is really important that why that we talk about and I think people can have um, you know two or three different purposes in that sense but I think being clear about that you know a goal is a is a destination where our values are more of a direction and I think being clear about our why being clear about our values will help us in you know go through life and and just and how frame our decision making as we go through that when we get that clarity and so that's really important i'm thinking i would like to add a positive um example though of how being flexible can it's not giving into temptation but sometimes being flexible or keeping an open mind can lead to positive results and this very podcast is an example of that in that um, about six months ago on LinkedIn, all of a sudden, everyone was doing podcasts to the point where you thought, yeah. oh my God, me, what is wrong with me? Why have I not done a podcast yet? And it's like, well, maybe you've never explored it yet. So sit down, have a, you know, have a thing. Could it work for you? Do you want to do it? And then connecting all the dots in that. Um, I, I love working with people. I love, love talking to people. I like giving people, other people the platform. And it was like, actually, you've been doing this for a long time. The podcast mm. is just a different format. Yes. Give it a go and see where, you know, where it leads. And actually, now we are, I mean, this has really taken off and, and it's tremendously enjoyable. So sometimes following a trend can work for you as well. It's just about striking a balance that's, that works for you. Absolutely. I think we should all be open to, to mm. things. I think it's just, like I said, it's having that, that clarity to think about, you know, does this really work for me? Mm-hmm. Um, am I diluting what I'm trying to do? Like I said, yours, you know, what you're doing with the podcast is just a slightly different medium and the, yes. the medium change as we go through, mm-hmm. as we go through life. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. But I think for me, it was about getting clarity. So the temptations to move away from what I'm doing, you know, I get asked all the time, ironically, the more niche they become, the more I get asked to do other things outside of that niche. And, uh, and I'm having to remind myself one of the goals this year is to actually say no to a few more, a lot more things. Because when I stop saying no and I try and please people, and this is a major source of stress, I think, for lots of people, is we don't say no to half as, as much stuff as we should be. And therefore, we end up not giving the best of ourselves or to the people that we say yes to. Stress rises. Uh, and, and we get out of kilter. So I think people in, in a whole, whether you're a coach doing what we're doing or something else, but just generally in life, the more we can be clear about what it is that's important to us and say no to a lot of the rest of it, um, there, there, that way lies a lot less stress, a lot more balance, um, a lot more being present with the people that matter most to us. Learning to say no, Anthony, is a big enough topic for a podcast in itself. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And there are other experts way better at that than me. But uh, maybe for a, a future conversation, because the no message or delivering the no messages is 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 a big one for for many of our peers. So mm. and it keeps coming up in these podcast conversations anyway. Definitely. Where can, where can that topic? Yeah, totally. Where where can people? find you if they wanted to explore working with you or inviting you to come talk to their organization first protocol i think will be to connect with me on linkedin and mm-hmm. the reason i say that is i spend a lot of time there that's where um, i do a lot of interactions i'm also in the middle of rebranding um so i'm going to be having a new brand a new website uh up hopefully by the end of february so i'd hate to direct people to the old ones. So I think, uh, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn would be, uh, be the best place. 
And the books are coming out approximately spring and fall, did you say? Yeah, so hopefully uh, April, May time for tips from the top. And then the plan is to get the, uh, the resilience books already half written, but I've sort of put that to one side until the first one's done. Um, and that will be out towards the back end of the year. I am sure that both books will become a huge success on behalf of the listeners and me. We wish you all the success um, with the books. And, and it's an amazing journey, isn't it? And you have so much to look forward to. The, the workshops you can do on the back of the, the content of the books and the interviews. And it's, um, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. It's challenging. It's scary at the same time. <laughs> Uh, you know, there's that fear of being judged, isn't there, that we all have, whether people admit to it or not. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest, it's, uh, it's a bit scary the thought of putting it out there and people mm. saying, well, actually, it's good or it's okay or maybe it's rubbish. But I thought, well, I'm going to do it anyway and uh, people will take hopefully some value from it somewhere. So. What matters is that the books are getting out there and that you produce them and everything else is maybe not up to you to worry about too much. Yeah, Anthony, it's been an absolute joy um, talking with you today. Thank you so much for sharing um, energy, thoughts, insights, your top tips. And I wish you all the best with the books and your future career in helping people become more resilient and develop better mental toughness. Thank you, Chris. That was a real pleasure to be here and continue the great work you guys are doing with the podcast. Thank you very much. I hope you have enjoyed listening to today's episode. If you want to connect with me, please visit christophspeesons.com. Of course, you can also find me on all major social media. And if you're enjoying Behind the Scenes of Happiness, why not leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, subscribe, or perhaps share your favorite episodes with friends and colleagues. Thank you, and I'll speak to you again on the next episode. Bye for now.